the, I'm increasing my activity with Living in Liberty, which is a group that is rescuing primarily women uh, from the sex trafficking industry. Uh, in, while they're in primarily Pittsburgh, they're also like moving into Butler and surrounding communities as well. And so um, I've been volunteering my time to do presentations for them. And so I had an opportunity, there's two kinds, I should say. One is for, for kids, because it's, it's really hard once someone becomes enslaved to get them out. In fact, there's, it takes seven to 10 rescues to get someone who's caught up in sex trafficking to get them out permanently. And so it's a lot easier to prevent. And so we're working, we've been working on presentations for youth to help, look, this is what you guys need to watch out for, how you might be getting sucked in. So there's the youth side of it. The other is uh, for adults to be able to watch out for their kids and also to build awareness for them. So uh, I got to meet with, uh, it was in Greensburg actually, uh, for kids, I guess we would say kids that are high risk. Uh, and so we we're kind of in this big, um, really a conference room, is a little crowded, but myself and the other volunteer, we were able to present to these kids how to avoid getting caught up in that. And I tell you what, they asked some fantastic questions. Well, what about this or what about that? And we were able to speak the truth with them as well. So thank you for praying for that. Uh, now in December, early December, I have another meeting, but this is with adults uh, to help. And many of them are in the education field as well. So uh, we're looking forward to, to doing more and more uh, with that. Uh, if you're part of a community group, uh, uh, you know, Rotary or another community group, or even we might do one here uh, for our adults and for our kids as well and invite other churches down the road. But again, thank you. And then one other quick announcement, and we'll, we'll touch on this again later too. We have a little budget business to do, uh, and anyone's welcome to join us for that meeting um, but it, it'll take us just a few minutes at the end of our gathering today. So weekly verses, we're looking at the, uh, experiencing God. It's Luke 14.33. Every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So Luke, with me now, Luke 14.33. Every one of you who does not renounce his, all his possessions cannot be my disciple. It's so frustrating when I know it, and then when I get up here, I freeze. So, all right, so we're going to look at, we're looking at adjustments. We look at those a little bit, and uh, as you're, if you're in the workbook, if you're in the small groups, or you're looking at it yourself, the, it changes focus a little bit, because it's going to, to, for the last three units, focuses on what we call the church. That's why we sang the songs that we did, and we'll sing because they're about the church. And how does experiencing God work, not just for us individually, because as Americans, we always think of ourselves. And, that, and that's, that's right, but we also function as a church, and we need to be listening to God in that way too. So we're going to look uh, for these next few weeks, what does it mean not just to, to experience God, but do so as a group, as a body of believers. And we're going to start that today. Now, years ago, when uh, my son Mike, who's now 28 uh, and about to become a father, uh, uh, he, we went to Disneyland in Anaheim, California. 
And he was just a little shaver. He was just this little guy. And he was so excited about the Indiana Jones ride because uh, he saw, you know, videos of it and so forth. And he couldn't wait to get there. And so we were, we were getting in line. And, you know, Disney rides are not just like amusement park rides. They're more like an experience. So, you know, if you're not familiar with the movies, there's one part of the, of the, of the ride where this big boulder is rolling right at you. And, and you think it's going to roll on top of you, but it's really about four feet above you. And, and so he wanted to go on that ride so badly. Well, we were getting in line, and those lines, you have to stand in line sometimes for an hour or more. We're in line, and it has a sign, you must be this tall to ride this ride. Well, guess what? Little Mikey was this tall. And, oh, he was so mad. So he and I went and did something else, but he was mad. Now, a few years later, we had another opportunity to go back to Disneyland, and we made a beeline uh, right for the Indiana Jones. I think we rode that one three or four times that day because uh, now he had qualified. He was over the limit. And I use that as an example because as believers in Christ, we share a lot in common. We have, we have redemption. Everyone who says, I believe in Jesus, you have redemption in him. We all have that because we all need to be redeemed. We're all in the same boat. No one can look down their nose at anyone else of being a better person. We all need redemption. We all need and have as believers freedom from sin. We have this process also called sanctification, which is the growth process to become more and more like Jesus. We have future hope. No matter how crazy and loony the world gets, there's a hope in Christ that he will make everything brand new. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. And also we have a new nature. That's the qualification. That's the you must be this high kind of quality. You have to have a believer in Christ, be a believer that changed nature uh, to ride this ride we call church. Now, don't misunderstand. Anyone at any time can come and join us on a Sunday morning. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about just attending the meeting. But to be part of that living stones, that living building, you have to have a new nature. That's the minimum qualification. So we'll see how to experience this, not just as individuals, but as together. So what is the church? Uh, it is, in, if you have the workbook, you can look at this later. I'm just going to read these really quickly. But they have a list on page 200 in the workbook of what the church is. It's, first of all, a creation in Christ. It is a living body of Christ with many members. In fact, the Apostle Paul uses that analogy. He says, look, some of you are arms, some of you are legs, some of you are eyes. It takes all the members to function. A church is related to Christ as the head. Our elder team might serve as an administrative head, but we're not in charge of the church. Jesus is. So when we're asking, well, what should our church do? What should we invest in? How should we spend our money? What, what, how should we reach our community? It's really, we listen for Christ. Members of church are uniquely related to one another. I mentioned those qualifications before. When, we, when we're humble and realize how badly we all need Christ, it, it kind of puts us all on the same level playing field. doesn't matter how rich, how smart, how powerful, we all need him. 
Church is on mission with Christ to carry out the Father's redemption plan. So as we look at God's will specifically for the church, there's so many passages we could have looked at. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And frankly, we could have gone into chapter 5 and 6. We could make this almost a whole summer <laughs> series on just what it means to, to have that new nature and then how it applies in our life. Um, uh, one of the things you, is you read those three chapters, you see a repeated word, and, and it's the word walk. Because you have a new nature, walk like this. And we're going to look at some of, those some of those qualities. Paul will give us some examples. So it's not just talking about what we do. It talks about who we are. When I, first, I remember when I first became a believer in Christ. I was raised uh, in another church tradition where uh, we had to do a lot of these repetitive prayers. And so I, I, I came to Christ all by myself. I, was, I, was, I heard the gospel message, but when I made that moment of faith, I was all alone. And, and it was also late at night, and I woke up, and I thought, well, I guess I got to do all those prayer things again. And so I started, because I didn't know. I thought you had to do something. But I also knew something else. Something was different inside me. That was that new life that was made evident. Uh, fortunately, someone came along, one of the uh, one of the, he was an older gentleman, and he discipled me, and I said, do I have to do all that stuff? He goes, no, don't worry about it. Just, <laughs> just do what uh, the Word is commanding us to do. So we're going to be in Ephesians 4, and these are the qualities of a, of a new believer. Again, that, that you must be this high kind of quality, but that quality is a new nature. Here's who qualifies to be in the church. Starting at verse 22, I'm actually starting in the middle of a sentence here. He says, to, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What's Paul talking about here? He says, there are things that once you get this new nature, you take the old stuff off. And it's the same kind of word we would use as to take off your coat. You take it off and you're going to do something else. You're going to put on other things. It's much more than what we do, although it fleshes out in, in our lives and what it looks like, but it really comes back to who we are. These changes come like the fruit of the Spirit. If you were with us back in February, in summer, I think, we did fruit of the Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit, this fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things are going to come out as a result. So this is put off the old self. It's a command. And it means, again, as I said, to take off, to lay aside, to rid yourself of those things. And Paul is really into this. If you read his other letters, you'll see him referring to this old self before. I'll just read these for you as well. Romans 6.6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Uh, in the letter to Colossians, he says in 3.9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices. 
What is the old self? Other translations will call it the old man, or we could say the old woman. It is the old way of thinking. It is, it is the old values. It's our former manner of living. And the old self just fails to find satisfaction, to find life, to, um, uh, to bring meaning and so forth. We also might call this putting off the old self and taking on the new one. Uh, one of those Bible words is repentance. We used to go this way and now we're going this way. Something completely different. Because of the work of Christ, we can be rewired. We have old things that we learn from birth. And then that's the old self. But then Jesus comes along and says, hey, you're a new creature now. Let's start the rewiring process. So everything is brand new. These things are awful, these old desires. They're former, Paul says. He calls them their deceitful desires. People are chasing after things in this world, trying to find even fun, even relief, even some kind of way to make them feel good, and they're, they're just being lied to. Deceitful desires. These, they're not helpful. They're not, they're not deserved. Sometimes people say, I have a right to live the way I want to. No, really, you're enslaved. You're enslaved to these desires. You can't say no to them. And the whole world suffers from this collective old self. You ever wonder, why is everything so bad? Why are people so mean to each other? In working with living, living in liberty, there, there are stories of 10-year-old children being, being used as in, in the sex trade industry. Why are people that bad to use a child that young? Because they have no choice. They have an old nature. It's awful. It's why we need redemption for ourselves. This old man, this old woman is, is really just leading to destruction and ruin. And it's why we would tell people, look, take that off. You're going to get nowhere with that. In fact, it's going to hurt you. Well, that's the bad part. Paul then says in that passage, he says, put on the new one. Put on the new one. It's being renewed in our minds and our spirit, he says. It's, it's the very core of who we are. He's not, when he talks about the spirit, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the spirit within us, who we, who we are, what our identity is. Uh, it's, it's a renewal that happens at the moment of conversion, and then it continues on. We, we're renewed with a new person, but then it starts to flesh itself out as we grow and become more and more like Christ. Paul says we're created in the likeness of God. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to become gods and get our own planet or anything. That's not what he means. He means all the moral qualities, his goodness, his righteousness, his holiness, his love, his grace, all those things start to become working out in our own lives and hearts. This is, these are ethical renewals. Again, Paul mentions this again in Colossians 3.10. And we have put on the new self, he says, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. Uh, we recommend, if you're wanting to share your faith, something at Zion called the three circles illustration. 
Uh, and many of you have seen this before. And the first circle starts with the perfection of God. Everything was good in Genesis, but then because of our sin, uh, we, 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 we're no longer in that state of perfection with God. We're separated from God. And then the way to get back to that is it goes to the actual third circle of the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for your sins. But then that last arrow brings us all the way back to the very first circle of God's perfection. We're being transformed and being made like him. And that's what it's talking about. Now, Paul's going to be very specific here. He's going to give us a list of old person stuff and new person stuff. And they contrast with each other. And this list is not exhaustive. There's so much he could have written. And I, I encourage you, if you want to read more, then finish reading chapter 4 and 5 and 6, and you'll see this old, old person, new person come up. We're just going to look at a few of them today out of time. But the, we take these things off and put on the others. And just imagine what a family or a church would be like that lives this new life in the heart. So what's the first example he gives of taking off the old and putting on the new? Ephesians 4.25. Just, I'm just continuing reading from that passage. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So the old person, the old life, is you, you lie. You lie. You want, you want to look good before people. You want to present yourself in a, in a manner that's more positive. Or you don't want to get in trouble, and so you lie. I don't know about you, but I've talked to people who lied to me who didn't even know they were lying. They were so used to lying, they didn't even get that what they said wasn't true. Since we are now part of a new community, again, you look at chapter 2 from, from what Michael read earlier today, lying has no place here. Lying has no place among the people of God. That's the old person. Well, what's the new one? You tell the truth. Now, lying includes uh, not just saying something that's untrue or factually not true. Lying includes uh, leaving out relevant facts, right? Of how is your day? How are you doing? And we say, oh, I'm fine. But there's things that are going on. That's not completely accurate, is it? If we leave that stuff out. Uh, it, it's also, I mean, for students, it's cheating on homework. You're, you're saying to your teacher, this is my homework, but it wasn't. That's lying. It could also refer to bragging, of making yourself appear in a bit better light. So old, lie. New, speak truth. That's one example. Here's another one. Verse, verses 26 and 27. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Paul may be alluding to or quoting Psalm 4.4 and or Isaiah 28.21. What's the old life? What does the old person do? Well, they're angry. And we say, well, doesn't God get angry? Yes, he does. But we're not talking about just anger in itself. We're talking about anger that crosses that line to being sinful, to being cruel, to being vicious. And so he says, in your, be angry and do not sin. Anger is also translated in our Bible sometimes as wrath or provocation or, or ex, uh, exasperation. 
It may happen, but it needs to be addressed. So he says that's the old way of you just angry and mad. The new way is not, you might get angry, but the new way is you deal with it. You address it. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. One uh, commentary, Estias is his name, said, let the day of your anger be the day of your reconciliation. And it, it is not giving a place. What happens when that anger just festers and sits like we may, maybe had done in our old life? Paul's clear. He says it gives the devil a foothold. It gives him a place. It gives him, it gives him literally room to work. I'm in the, in the process right now of redoing my, my basement where all my tools are. And right now I have no room to work. Uh, everything's just all over the place. It's a mess. When we are angry and don't deal with it, we're like getting everything cleaned up so the enemy can do something in our hearts. And I've been there. I've, been, uh, I've let my anger rule me, but it was part of my old life. And I, I, I hurt people in my anger, not physically, but with my words. And didn't deal, didn't deal with it. The new life, the new person says, yeah, that's frustrating, that's annoying, that's bothersome, but deal with it, address it. If you need to have uh, a conversation with someone, don't let it go down. So, so far, do you see the old and the new? Lying, unresolved anger's old. New is you tell the truth and you deal with your anger. There are more. Stealing versus working and giving. Ephesians 4.28. Let the thief no longer steal, old, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. All right, so we, there's the old and new again. He adds a little bit here that's very interesting. So on one hand, they're no longer stealing. That's good. If you're a thief, stop it. If you're a believer in Christ, stop stealing. But he adds this other thing of working, and he gives us a little bit more morale of the morality of work. Because why do we work? Well, you have a house payment. Uh, you really like to eat every day. Uh, you, know, you eat gas for your car. We need money. And so we work for money. Every one of those things is for ourselves. Yeah, we have needs. We, there's nothing wrong with that. But Paul says, but think of work a little bit more broadly. It's not just for our own needs. This is work so that you might give to others who are in need. Oh, that's, that tells me a little bit more of the purpose for my work, for your work. It's not just for your own job. It's not just for your own needs as a, as a, as a, as a family or to your head of a family or to go to the movies or whatever it is you want to do. It's for also sharing with others who might have need. Kind of opens our minds up a little bit, doesn't it? Old stealing, new work and give. Then he talks about our mouths a little bit here. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your lives. Is that old or new? Old, yeah. But only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may be grace for those who hear. New. Old, your words are harmful. Your words tear people down. Uh, 
uh, that, could be, that could be insults, that could be harsh words, that could be even sarcasm as well. But rather use words to build one another up. Uh, corrupting talk, it's bad, it's evil, it's foul. It could include swearing, uh, as the word Paul uses here, or unwholesome. And he says, whatever escapes your lips, whatever comes out of your mouth. Good speech, on the other hand, is a, is a fruit that comes out of that new nature. Uh, Paul says in Colossians again, uh, in the audience he, said, he says, he's, well, he's talking about two believers, but about unbelievers. He said, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's something a believer should have. A couple verses from 1 Thessalonians 5. It's verse 11 and 14. I'll just read them together. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And then we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them. So sometimes our words might need to encourage one another in a corrective kind of way hey, can you tell me what's going on here? I've noticed this about your life. And gee, you should trust the Lord in this situation that in. Um, you're, are you doing this? But the word of God says you shouldn't. Now, we don't mean well, we're all each other's cops, but as one body, it's important to, to help one another out. We go to people, as Matthew 18 says, in private, and hopefully that person, that brother or sister, will listen to us those words are really encouraging. A person with a new nature looks for ways to encourage other believers, whether it is a time here on Sunday morning when we gather, sending a note, sending a text, sending an email. We have so many ways to communicate today. Or there's even this thing that's really cool. It's called snail mail, where you can write, handwrite a letter or a note, and it shows up in their house. Right, I know, but it's it's funny because younger generations never check their mailboxes. I found out, uh, but you know, I always tell my kids, check your mailbox. Okay, I sent you something. <laughs> okay, but there are so many ways we can communicate with other people to encourage them. The old the old way was destructive. This is constructive. There's another example. Paul uses, of the old and new life. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we were sealed in the day of redemption. So the old life grieved God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a person. He could be grieved. He's not an impersonal force like on Star Wars. He's a real person who feels. And how do you grieve him? Well, you sin. You leave sin unconfessed. Uh, you walk in the, as Galatians 5 says, you walk in the deeds of the flesh instead of the, de- of the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says, look, you're sealed in him. And he said that earlier in chapter 113. But the old life didn't care about sin. I don't know about you, I remember as a believer, I didn't care if something was right or wrong. I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted to not think of all the pain I was going through. So I didn't care about whether something was good or not or if it harmed another person. But as a new believer, that those old thoughts grieve him. Those old sin patterns grieve God himself. 
So as he's revealed things to me, it says, hey, you probably shouldn't do that to those people anymore or think that way because it grieves the Holy Spirit. The new way is to please him, to walk in him. This comes out later in chapter five as well where Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit. One more, one more specific, and it's uh, the last two verses, 31 and 32. He says, let, and this is like, this is, I don't, I don't mean this to sound disrespectful, but it, it might. It's kind of the, the garbage can. He's going to just give you a bunch of old ones and new ones in kind of rapid fire. You ready? He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Old or new? Old. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ is as God in Christ forgave you. Old or new? New. The old things. Imagine being around someone who's bitter or wrathful or anger all the time, full of clamor, slander, bitter, just this bitter frame of mind, just animosity. They're just a downer to be around all the time. They, they're, they're full of wrath, just violent outbur- outburst or anger, rage. Clamor is shouting or quarreling or even brawling. Slander, that word there, is literally the word blasphemy. And I know that's normally used in the sense of a sin against God, but to blaspheme someone else is to, um, to be abusive in your speech or to, to be accusing or tell stories, gossiping about someone. And malice is just kind of the, the bigger word, just wickedness, ill will. Are any of those fun? Are any of those nice to feel? No. I mean, not only are they hard, that kind of person is hard to be with, but what about being that kind of person? I remember my sister once just got tired of my dad because he used to put my sister and I down a lot for our faith. And he, you know, all these accusations, and, and, but he was... Bitter. He was hard to be around. And one time my sister just said, Dad, you know, you know, he thought we were not smart. He thought we were being fooled. And so she said, Dad, you know what? I'm happy. I have joy. I would rather be deceived like you, or I would rather be deceived and happy rather than enlightened and bitter like you, Dad. It's hard to be that way. But God says, I have something better for you. The new nature, it has these other things. Kindness, which is being loving or benevolent. Tender-hearted, compassionate. He says, be forgiving with one another. And that's, that could be hard. There are some people who've hurt us badly, hurt you, maybe hurt you badly. It means essentially to pardon. You're not going to hold a hurt against you. They may owe you, but you're going to say, I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not going to seek repayment. And he says, look, it's as God in Christ forgave you. Because that reminds me of, oh, why someone hurt me, it doesn't, it, it doesn't compare to the harm I've done to Christ, but he's forgiven me. So when I am forgiving, I am really giving a testimony of God's forgiveness to others. All, and you know, when you look at those things, kindness, tenderhearted, forgiving, 
Who do they sound like? God, Jesus. We're reflecting him. To ride the ride of church, the science is you have to be this tall. And it says new life. And anyone can come here. But it's the new life that makes us new like the Lord. This put on a, we've been talking a lot about God's will through experiencing God. Folks, this taking off the old stuff and putting on the new, that's God's will for all of our lives. It is their commands. Are, are there any old man, old woman qualities still holding on to you? I remember there are times that one of those old qualities, specifically it was anger. And I would say, well, that's just the way I am. That's a cop out. I'm just like that. No, that's the old, the old Joe. He's given a new life and he's given me victory over that so I can experience the new life in Christ. We have a new identity. You're not, we're not just better people. And a few weeks ago, I, I read an illustration by C.S. Lewis, and I thought I've read everything by him, and I never saw this before. But he, he illustrates this new life in this way. He says, if, if say someone's a horse trainer, and they're training a horse to jump over steeples, now, a trainer could do things like diet, the, uh, change the horse's diet, exercise, uh, um, uh, just more and more training for this horse, and get this horse to jump higher and higher. What the trainer has done is he's made a better horse. But what if this trainer had some special power? What if the horse could have wings? It's a whole nother creature. And so not only is it able to jump over any steeple, it's now a whole new being. Folks, for a believer in Christ, we're not just reformed people. We're not just restored like an old car may do. We're brand new creatures. It's a whole nother being. And we're not meant to walk in the mud and the muck anymore. We're meant to soar with the Lord. Isn't that a great illustration? You have to be this tall. We are transformed. And so our encouragement today is that we be honest with God. God, is there any old stuff that's just got a grip on me still? And is there some new stuff that we can enjoy? Yeah, there is. It's our time with praying together with one another and uh, first of all, let's thank the Lord for this new identity. Not just a reform one. Not just making us better people. We're nicer than we used to be. No, but from the very being, we're changed. Maybe there's God speaking to you, and you just want to say, God, I thank you. I, I pray that you'll take away this old quality of and fill in the blank. Maybe you would say in our prayer time here, I'll, I'll put on this new quality of and... You could pray that as well, even just a one-sentence prayer. So let's consider what we've just heard from the, from the letter to the Ephesians. There we go. And maybe one of those things matches your prayers, or maybe there's something else that you wanted to do. Uh, you don't have to pray out loud, but if uh, we do ask you just to, to be praying silently with us if you want to do that. So I'll close this in a bit. Let's pray. Let's take some time and pray.
All right. Lord Jesus, we've not even begun with this whole process, putting off the old, putting on the new. But you are faithful. You're going to finish what you're going to finish. But it will be finished. We will be right again. I can't imagine what it's like not to be tempted anymore. But that's the, the final state. Be made completely right, not just in our spirit, but in our bodies. And God, I, I have, while there's things you've done and worked in me, and I give you all the praise and credit for that, there's still stuff that pops up in my head between my ears. There, there, there is malice sometimes in my ears, that old self. There is, there is uh, other, other thoughts, ungodly thoughts. And I want to lay those aside. I want to think purely. I want to think like you do. So God, I, want, I don't want to grieve your spirit in my mind at all. But your power and everything is available for me to live according to the new nature in Christ. Oh God, we are so thankful for this new identity. You're not just, we're, we're not able to look down our nose at other people as being more reformed or an improved person. But we're made entirely brand new by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. New life. 
Help us be able to share that, to open our mouths to others, to give a hope. In your name, amen. Pretty cool, huh? Whole new, whole new being. All right, uh, a few announcements. Hey, this Saturday uh, is our, some friends of ours from Grove City College are coming and are going to lead us in a time from 9 a.m. to noon on calling, calling it Praying Like Jesus. And so uh, there'll be times of worship, times of prayer. If you think that's three hours, it will go faster than you can imagine. Um, I, I sent some notes out and had mentioned last Friday at noon was the deadline to RSVP. But let me be clear, you could still come. The RSVP was for food or childcare because uh, they, they needed to know in advance how many people to plan for. So, if you say, oh, I forgot. You're still welcome to come. In fact, even if you didn't RSVP in time, there may be food still there. So, uh, but, it, but just make sure, you know, other folks have that opportunity to, to eat. They're going to feed us lunch at noon. But um, uh, I, I can't st- express strongly enough to please join us for that. It is a Saturday. Um, the next thing is, is on the 19th, uh, we have been expressing to you the opportunity to uh, participate in kingdom work uh, and just was praying this for myself. God, what, what do you want me to give above and beyond my regular giving on the 19th? And our, our gifts are going three ways, and you might, this might be a repetition, but I'm sorry. Uh, we're we're going to invest $500 towards uh, Word of Life devotional books for our students, and even if any of their friends want to be uh, to have one of those, where they can go through it the year, and it's going to be a tool to work uh, in a discipleship relationship with our students. Um, so there's that. Uh, whatever comes above that, we're dividing two two ways. One is regionally, again with Living in Liberty. So half of the above that 500 will go to them. The other uh, half of that balance will go to uh, ABC, which is All Bible in Community uh, in Rwanda. As the missionary we started uh, supporting this year is working to eliminate um, illiteracy, Bible illiteracy, and uh, train pastors uh, there in Rwanda. And then finally, one more reminder. Uh, we just have a few minutes after our last two songs here. If you, again, you're, if you're not a covenant member and you want to go, you can, but anyone's welcome. We just have a, a little budget talk just to do uh, as soon as we can. All right.